It's good to be with you today and to share from God's Word. Hey, before I get into the message, let me say thank you. Thank you to First Baptist Lindale for uh, your involvement and support of the work of the Floyd County Baptist Association. Uh, we could not do what we do uh, without you. You're one of the 60 churches in Floyd County that are part of the Floyd County Association. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for your involvement, your engagement, being, being involved, uh, coming to stuff, but also thank you uh, for your giving. Uh, we could not do the missions and ministry of the Floyd County Baptist Association without your gifts. And you say, what is the Floyd County Baptist Association? Well, it's, it's about encouraging pastors and people to do the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. And we've got some priorities to make that happen. And we believe that praying is at the top of the list. You know, in a couple of weeks on Sunday, August 6th, uh, our churches are going to gather and we're going to prayer walk all 41 campuses uh, in Rome and Floyd County. And so we believe that praying is a priority. Also reaching. Uh, you know, if we're not doing what we did today, if we're not seeing people saved, if we're not baptizing folks, we fail at what we are supposed to do, what Jesus commanded us to do. So we believe that reaching is a priority. We believe that discipling is a priority. You see there in your worship folder the information about the D-Life Boot Camp. It is a wonderful way to make disciples. And so we, we are encouraging our churches and our people to be about disciple making. But also we're a going association. There are two teams from two churches that are this week uh, on international mission trips from the Floyd County Baptist Association. Uh, we are a going association, both locally and globally, but also we're a caring association. Every week on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, we give away groceries, but also we give away the gospel to those who come. And so every month, uh, when you put the dollars to it, uh, we, that's us, give away about $5,000 worth of groceries every month. To those who are in need. We couldn't do that without you. So we're a caring association, but also we're a growing association. Uh, just a few months ago, we added a new church. You know, it's exciting when other churches look at what our group is doing and says, that's the kind of group that we want to be a part of. And so we are a growing association, but also we're a training association. Uh, you see the information there in your worship folder about the equip conference. Uh, we hope that we'll see about 600 folks coming together uh, to be trained in various leadership uh, positions. Also, we're a giving association. Uh, you give to the association, but we're also giving uh, to others. And then uh, another priority that we have is the next generation. Uh, we, we believe that if we're going to be what, we want, what God wants us to be, we've got to be a, an association, a group of churches that are reaching and discipling the next generation. That's college and below. And so that's what I want us to think about today is reaching the next generation. And the passage of scripture that I want you to turn to is in the gospel of Mark. And we're going to be in chapter 10. And we're going to look at verses 13 through 16. 
It's a, it's a passage that you have heard. It's a passage that you have studied. It's a passage that you have even seen pictures of. But this morning, I want us to think about what it teaches us about the next generation. So Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 13. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. After taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and blessed them. Pray with me, please. God, thank you for this day, wonderful day of of sweet fellowship, of being with your family, celebrating life-changing decisions Teenagers that have committed their life to you and and you've saved them. You've forgiven them of their sin and and today they publicly proclaim that. Father, thank you for the sweet spirit of worship as we sang songs to you and we worshiped you for your goodness. And so, Father, we come to this time when we hear your word. And so, Father, would you speak to us? And Father, we know that as you speak to us, there's going to be life change. There's going to be a decision that you want us to make. And so, Father, as you speak, may we be obedient. And God, my prayer is that no one leaves this room today saying no to you. Father, there's going to be a time at the end of the service when when you issue that call, a decision that we all must make. And Father, I pray that each one of us in this room will be obedient. Have your way with us is my prayer. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this passage of Scripture is one for us to look at and see what it can teach us about the next generation. I love it. It, it, It's a wonderful picture of the heart and ministry of Jesus. And I I think it's important for us to understand the context of this story. Because I think that reaching the next generation and where this story falls is important. Because you see in the verses just prior to this wonderful story of Jesus loving on these children, Jesus teaches about divorce. Notice that. Look in chapter 10. There, uh, right before, at the very beginning, Jesus is talking to them about divorce. You see, divorce, problems in the home are a great danger to the next generation. Parents quit loving each other. Parents become selfish. And, and it hurts the next generation. Folks, that's not new. You know, we think, oh, well, you know, today's society is so horrible. Listen, it was going on back then too. And as Jesus loves on these children, he had just told them the home is important. Mom and dad, how you love each other 
is so important. But also notice, not only is divorce a great danger to the next generation. Mom and dad, don't just think your problems just affect you. It impacts those kids as well. But also notice what comes after this wonderful story of Jesus loving on these children. It's the young rich ruler. You see, I believe that greed is a great danger to the next generation. The the desire to have stuff, to to have more, and to never be satisfied with with the Lord's blessing. That's what we see right, right after Jesus talks about loving children and hugging on those children. He talks about the evil of greed. And folks, greed is a great danger to the next generation. Also notice um, here in these verses that we've read in chapter uh, 10, verse 13, that first part of, it says people. So who, who were the people that were bringing these children? It was parents, of course. It was parents and it was grandparents. I've seen um, people my age, uh, you know, early 60s, that are grandparents, that are raising their children's children. They're raising their grandchildren. They're the mama and daddy of their grandchildren. Why? Because the parents of those grandchildren are absent. I don't know how they do that. I'm just telling you. You know, I love being a papa. You know, love on them, hug them. And then when they start screaming, just say, here you go. <laughs> you know, you're the mama. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine at my age the energy that it takes to raise those children. But that was, that was going on even in Jesus' day. There, there were parents, yes, that were bringing their children, but there were grandparents as well that were bringing their children. That's why it says people. It was parents and grandparents and, and, and family members. They were, they were bringing the children to Jesus. Now, it says in that passage that they were bringing the children, but, but, the disciples didn't like it. And the reason that, that the disciples didn't like it is because children were not valued in that society. They were not valued. Uh, now, individually, they were valued. Of course, there were good parents and good grandparents that, that loved their children and valued their children. I mean, that's obvious. That's why we've got this mob scene that's taking place is because they loved their kids. But society in general viewed children and the next generation uh, as a burden. You know, there were no schools. There, there were no property taxes to pay for schools. There, there were no, that was not the way uh, they practiced education. They didn't value children. 
They valued the children once they got to the ability to, to work and do labor and contribute to society. But society did not value children. About half of the children that were born, only about half lived past the age of 12 in that time. Um, they didn't have the medical uh, knowledge that we have. They, did, they didn't have the uh, pediatricians and those who specialized in caring for young lives. Most children didn't live to their teen years. And it was a common practice in that day for parents to simply abandon their children. Take them, you've seen the pictures of somebody uh, taking um, a litter of dogs, of puppies, and, and putting them in a box and leaving them on some dirt road out in the country? Well, that's the way they treated kids back then. They, they, they didn't value them. It was a common practice for them simply to say, eh, you're too much of a burden. And the parents, the grandparents, or whoever had them would just leave them on the side of the street. They were not valued. Uh, and it is important for us to know that one of the very first ministries of the Christian church in the first century that set them apart from everything else that was going on in society, one of the very first ministries is taking care of abandoned children. We, we've always, as Christians, been about helping children without homes. That's why we emphasize uh, the, the Georgia Baptist Children's Home and why we emphasize our relationship with various foster care ministries is because that's at the very heart of who we are as a follower of Christ, caring for and valuing children. But the disciples were just like society of that day. Ugh, kids, what a bother. But notice in verse 13 that these people were bringing these kids to Jesus. And that, that was the custom. I mean, that was, that was a normal activity okay, for a parent. They would, they would take their child to the religious leader, the priest, for them to bless them. You know, I'm a good parent. I want my kids to be good. So let's get them to the priest and the priest to touch them and pray and bless them. And everything's going to be good. And that's what they were doing. They, they, they were getting to the best preacher that they had ever heard. Uh, the greatest miracle worker that had ever come through. Oh, if I could just get my kids... To Jesus, everything's going to be okay. Wow. Yeah. But there in verse 13, the disciples were rebuking 
while the parents were persistent. I, I mean, we, we got to understand what's going on here. In verse 13, it says, People were bringing little children to him in order they might bless them, but the disciples were rebuking them. Now, you've you got to understand what was taking place. When I think about this, I think about um, my high school days of being a basketball player. Some of you that are my age, uh, or if you're a basketball fan, will remember the name Dale Ellis. Prolific scorer in NBA, uh, Portland Trail Blazers, incredible uh, NBA star. Well, in high school, I had the job from our high school. He was at Marietta High School. I had the job to guard him. Yeah, you're laughing. I think everybody in the stands was laughing uh, when I had that job. Because I would go over here to guard Dale, and by the time I got there and got in defensive position, he was around me and scoring. That's kind of what was going on with the disciples. They were saying, hey, y'all need to stop. And by the time the disciples got in defensive position, the people had gone around them. You see, when we read this passage of Scripture, most of us good, proper Southern people read this. And in our mind, we have these parents with their little babies lined up. You, you, you remember the Christmas story? You know, when they were lining up to take the little children to go see Santa Claus. And everybody's lined up in a proper position. And everybody's waiting their turn to get to Jesus. No, that's not this picture. This is a mob scene. It's like a, it's like a University of Georgia football game when they win the national championship. And everybody's coming out of the stands to get on the field. Now, if you're a Tech fan, you don't get that visual. <laughs> you, you, you may get it going the other way, getting to the exit. But this is a mob scene. This is, this is a, a mob scene. It's not a group of orderly people. The, the disciples are trying to say, whoa, 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 whoa. And everybody's just boom, around them. So why, why would the disciples, why would the disciples say, get away? Well, again, remember that children were not valued in that culture. They can't do anything for us, Jesus. We're not going to get anything. They're not going to be building churches. They're not going to be giving us any offering. They're not going to be taking leadership positions in our organization. Jesus, these kids are a waste of time. That's why they rebuked and didn't want them coming to Jesus. It's a waste of time. And speaking of time, Jesus, we got other places to be. This is not on the agenda. This is not on the schedule. This is not on the calendar. This is, we got important places, important people to see, important work to do. Jesus, they're holding us up. The disciples rebuked them. But look at verse 14. 
Jesus saw what was happening, and it says in verse 14 that he became indignant. He, he got mad. He got frustrated. He got frustrated over the entire situation. Here's all these kids and these parents coming, and there's my followers out there saying, get away, get away, don't come over here, don't waste our time, you're not any good for us, go. And Jesus became frustrated. Why why did he become frustrated? Because in chapter 9, in verse 42, he had already told them that the little ones were a priority. I mean, he had just said that to them. And here they're saying, get away. Get away. And it made Jesus upset. Isn't it good news? Isn't Isn't it good to know that Jesus got mad because the disciples were trying to hinder the next generation from coming to him? Uh, uh, that kind of sounds like some churches that I know today. That, that, what good are these kids going to do us? They're not going to put any money in an offering plate. They're not going to build the next building. They're not going to take any leadership positions. Jesus said, mm, that upsets me. In verse 14, he told them to get out of the way. When Jesus saw it, he became indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. Jesus said, Get out of the way. Quit. Get out of the way. Let them come. Here's what I want us to understand about this is that kids... The next generation will come to Jesus because of his love. You know, we, 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 we've thought, oh, well, we've got, you know, back in my day, we, we've got to have pizza and a band to reach kids. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't hurt, but, but listen, kids will come to Jesus because of his love. That's what we've got to help them see and understand and know is that Jesus loves them. And look there at verse verse 14. It says, don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And when he says don't stop them, he's saying let them keep coming. And what what he is saying there is let's have a conveyor belt. Yeah. Again, I'll date myself here. Some of you remember the I Love Lucy show? You remember the scene when Lucy was in the candy factory? And, and it was going real good. Ethel, was that her name? They were at the, you know, and, and it was going. And then the, the conveyor belt got going faster. And she started putting them in her mouth and down her shirt. And candy was everywhere. That's the picture that Jesus paints for us when he says to them, keep them coming. Have a conveyor belt of, of overwhelming magnitude of kids coming to me. That, that's what we're supposed to be doing as the church is being overwhelmed with the next generation. 
And then verse 14 again, he says that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. What what is that? What's he talking about? He's talking about being humble. Those, Those kids didn't come with pride going, Jesus, I'm a high upstanding citizen. I have a position My family has been charter members of this church since the very beginning. We give a quarter of the annual budget. The kids didn't come with any of that. Boy, we love to come with that as adults. I'm somebody. And because I'm somebody, you got to treat me different. Listen, if you're going to come to the kingdom of God, you got to come with nothing. And, and that's, that's what these kids, they're just humble. But also very dependent. Needy. If we're going to enter the kingdom of God, we've got to come with a humble spirit, but also we've got to come understanding that we can't save ourselves. I can't do anything for myself. I've got to be totally dependent upon Him. And then look at verse 15. He says, truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter. How how does a little child come? Trust. Trust and faith. Friend, let me tell you that if you come to the kingdom of God with anything other than trust and faith, you're not coming to the kingdom of God. You're not coming to Jesus. If you're coming to him and saying, you know, I want to keep hold of this. I want it my way. I'm somebody. I know better in my life than you do. If you're coming with something like that, if you do not come with total trust and total faith and total surrender, you're not coming to the kingdom of God. You're coming to the kingdom of self. And then verse 16, after taking them in his arms. Now, all of us have seen that picture. We've seen that sculpture of Jesus with those little children. He laid his hands on them and he blessed them. I imagine that those in that crowd, moms, dads, grandparents, and even the kids... That moment is a moment that they would never forget. Can can you imagine that little child saying, yeah, I I was that one that was in Jesus' arms. Can you imagine years later being a grandparent and telling his grandchildren about being in the arms of Jesus, the Son of God? You see, for us, when we come to Him, when we surrender to Him, when we come to Him in faith, it's a moment that we should never forget. It is a story that we should be able to tell not only to our friends today, but it is the story that we will be able to tell over and over and over again to the next generation. So what is it that this can teach us? Well, I've got some things I want us to put up on the screen as we wrap this up. A a challenge. Okay? So here we go. Number one, 
For us to reach the next generation, we have got to get out of the way. Okay? I mean, that's what's going on here. We've got to get out of the way. Now, I'm not saying quit. There's some adults that go, I agree with that. I've done my time. I won't let them young people do whatever they want to do. I'm just going to quit. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you need to get out of the way. What does it mean to get out of the way? To move your preferences aside. This is the way we did it when I was a kid. Listen, don't, I'm not saying that we compromise what it means to be a church. I, we cannot compromise the fundamentals of the faith, the Christian life. That we cannot change. But our methodology we need to adjust. So get out of the way. I loved watching the pictures this week of camp. I loved seeing this. But as I was looking at those pictures, and it may be because I'm old, okay? But I looked and I said, where's the, where's the adults? You know, I said, where's the adults? Where's the senior adults? See, there should have been senior adults on that trip. Serving those kids not to go as a chaperone and say turn the lights out no that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about loving on those kids getting to know them praying with them letting them know that their church loves them there should have been as many adults on that trip as there were kids that's what it means to get out of the way not to quit but to say this is a priority And my preferences are going to go to the side, and I'm going to serve them. We've got to get out of the way. Number two, we've got to help parents and grandparents. Now, generally, as a church, we have done a very wonderful job of helping good parents and good great parents. I mean, we, we, you know, we, we, we do a good job of helping good parents. But folks, we got to do a good job helping bad parents. Just this week, there were two cases in our community of, of little children just wandering the streets. Got out of the house and were out. Who knows what would have happened if... if Someone had not found them. Police officers, neighbors found them. See, what I'm saying is that there's a bunch of bad parents in the world today. And as a church, we've done a wonderful job helping good parents. we got to help bad parents. Number three. And we see this in the disciples. That is, teaching and reaching the next generation is not cheap, nor is it convenient. Okay? If if we are going to reach and disciple college students and below, it's not going to be cheap. It's, It's going to be very expensive. That should be reflected as a priority in our budget, in our giving. It's also not convenient. Just just this week, 
had a church working with. And they did not want to reach the next generation. How do I know that? Because they wanted the convenience for the adults and they wanted to inconvenience the next generation. Uh, It's not going to be... You say, what does that look like? Well, uh, it looks like this. Who, Who has the best space in the church? Who has the newest space in the church? I had one church tell me uh, that, that they were not going to give the best space, the new space to the children. They were going to take it on as the adults. And guess what? That church today is struggling to even keep the doors open. Reaching and teaching the next generation is not cheap. It's going to take sacrifice. And it's not convenient. It's not easy. Number four. The best thing that we can do for our kids, the best thing that we can do for our teenagers, the best thing that we can do for our college students is to lead them to Jesus. Now, I I am a sports fan, okay? But listen to me, parent. If you get them to the best sports camps and you get them to the best sports teachers and and you've got them involved Monday through Sunday in, in sports, but you don't tell them about Jesus, you failed as a parent. Listen to me. If we we have the God of leisure in our society. Where, where, we, where we will push activities on the next generation and say you got to do this and you got to do that and we'll keep their calendar full of activities. But when it comes to church and to Jesus, we say, well, if they, if they want to do that, they'll let me know. But I'm going to make them go to ballet. Or I'm going to make them go to piano. Or I'm going to make them go to ball practice. The best thing that we can do for the next generation is not get them in sports, not get them in music, not the best thing that we can do for them is to lead them to Jesus. Number five, we must pass on what God has taught us. What has God taught you? What have been the lessons that you have learned from, from God's Word, from experience? What is it that, that, you, what, that God has done in your life? Well, that's what you are supposed to be teaching the next generation. And, and, and that's the best place for us to teach what God has done in our life is, is in our homes. Moms and dads, grandparents, aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters... Maybe the reason that you don't have anything to teach is because you've never let God teach you. The biggie, the final one. Here we go. 
number six, God wants the next generation to be reached. Okay? Well, do we need to form, do the Baptist thing and form a committee? Pastor Eric, let's form a committee and research this reaching the next generation thing. And then once we get the committee to say, yes, we need to reach the next generation, we're going to do the Baptist thing and we're going to vote on it. Listen to me. We don't need no committee. We don't need a vote. We need to be obedient. God wants the next generation to be reached. The question is, are we going to be obedient? He wants to reach the next generation. 